0: Welcome to The Holistic Way Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki, aka Dominique, founder of The Holistic Way, holistic life coach and yoga teacher. I hope you'll join me weekly as we discuss holistic approaches, fresh perspectives and non-negotiable self-compassion. Understanding is empowering and self-kindness is the new sexy. It is my mission to introduce to you new ways to work with your mind, body and emotions rather than against them to create long-term results with more ease and fun. I am very excited about today's guest, Melanie. I have met Melanie at a yoga teacher training where she was our lovely chef. And ever since we stayed friend friends, we connected on so many different levels. So I'm very excited to introduce her to you today. Uh, Melanie is a holistic chef and traditional tantra yoga teacher. She cooks for spiritual and personal development retreats, mainly in Switzerland. She offers a colorful and healthy cuisine that nourishes the mind, the body and the soul. She is passionate about Ayurveda and traditional Indian medicine, of which she applies the principles in her cooking. Hi, Melanie, So lovely to have you here. Hi, Dominique. Very happy to be here with you as well. <laughs> so I just would like to start by asking you to tell us a little bit more about you, how you became a chef and how your interest for Ayurveda grew. Yes, yeah, so I I am a trained chef. So
1: I actually went to cooking school and. Um, in Paris, uh, to Ferrandi school, um, where I learned very different kind of food than I'm currently cooking, which is more like traditional French food and, uh, yeah, semi gastronomic or gastronomic. So I worked for a few years in the gastronomic scenes, like uh, Michelin star res- restaurants or hotels and such. And then, and then I had a burnout because the, it was just, it was just so far away from the why I was, I was cooking. To be in those restaurants under extremely high stress, it didn't make sense anymore. And, and then at this point, it was, I think, seven years ago, and I was like, I'm never going to cook again. <laughs> <laughs> As if. <laughs> but then I started traveling. And I always love food. Um, in my family, there was always, I'm French originally, and we have this like big culture around food and sitting together and enjoying, uh, sharing meals. So it was always there. So even when I was traveling, I traveled for about six years and I was always like cooking with locals or taking cooking classes here and there. And yeah, discovering like food scenes in very different countries. And it really inspired me like it it's fueled again, my passion for cooking. And then at some point I, a few years ago I got to India for the first time and through a girl that I met there who was also interested in cooking. And she was like, Oh, there's this Ayurvedic cooking class, like Sattvic cooking class that this girl is giving. And I had like no clue what it was like. I, heard a little bit about ayurveda before because i was it was right before my yoga teacher training so it was like maybe a month before i was going to thailand to to get trained and so we took this this three days ayurvedic cooking class with this lovely girl sahana from razayana uh, Mysore kitchen so i really i can really vouch for her she's like an amazing woman uh, she's my cooking mentor And like, she really opened like a whole new world to me because all of a sudden there was this, this science, this culture of Ayurveda who was making this bridge for me between my lifestyle as a yogi, like as a, yeah, as a tantric uh, yogi and, and the food and the food passion that was still somewhere in me actually. So yeah, so we took this three-day cooking class, and then the year after I went back to India and I cooked for 10 days again with Sahana. And we were cooking for a small uh, yoga teacher training, actually, also. So that was super interesting, and it was so lovely. We were just cooking every day in her mom's kitchen, which is like two meters square or something like <laughs> that. The most delicious, nourishing food and it was just so inspiring and after those 10 days i was going back again to my to my ashram uh, for the second time and and then i was volunteering at the ashram and i was actually cooking also for the um, for the students and and then i was just okay this is this is actually what i want to do this is making so much sense everything is making so much sense you know this little aha moments
0: (laughs) I am like "Ah." (laughs) this (laughs) guy opens up (laughs) exactly (laughs) so yeah
1: so after spending a few months at my ashram I I came to Switzerland to to be with my with my boyfriend uh, who's from Zurich so and then I just started developing my business as a chef for retreats Uh, retreat yoga teacher trainings uh, spiritual development personal development this kind of stuff so yeah so there was COVID for a year so there was no more retreat the year I got here but then then I had like a a full year nearly and a half of like retreats and events and I'm so grateful because it's actually working pretty well and I'm meeting lovely people like you you know all the time (laughs) (laughs) so that I have such beautiful connections with and and it's all through this this food you know this like love of sharing something that doesn't need words like you just you just share something and you just put your heart in it and it's very simple in a sense so for me food also became my spiritual practice cooking for others
0: I love that That's beautiful, and I love like your journey. You know, like everything, and that's something I believe in. That you know, we're on this journey, and you became a chef, but that was nowhere near like what you're meant to do. But then, you know, you go on a journey, on an actual journey, go traveling, and you you discover your passion. Um, Linking back to what you actually originally learned, and all the skills you learned in the past are still you know, valuable Mm -hmm. and and skills you you have. I imagine that they still help you, you know, now cook for...
1: There is still some relevance, (laughs) even though I don't use the recipes or cutting meat or cutting fish technique because I cook vegetarian, but just like the the organization and then stress management and then just like how to be on time. There's like the structure around it makes it very easy to flow for me so and I can really see it because sometimes I cook I share the kitchen with people who don't have a professional background and and I can see that this is something that they're actually learning because it's the beginning for them and and I'm really grateful. Well, it was hard, let's <laughs> be honest. But I'm very grateful that I have the skills now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it helps. Oh, beautiful. And I love what you said about food being your spiritual practice. And I think that's a huge and an amazing reminder for all of us because we take it for granted so easily. I mean, that's where true. we live. Like, I'm not talking about people that struggle to find food. Um, and pay for food but like where we live it's easily taken for granted I feel so that's beautiful I know that Ayurveda is like a huge topic but could you explain a little bit about um, what it is how it works like a few important um, so the listen listeners who have never heard of it or only very little can have like a better understanding of what it is and what how you live it or
1: teach it? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So Ayurveda, um, it literally means the science of life. And it's a science that is 3000 to 5000 years old uh, that comes from India Um, and from the Veda, which are scriptures, uh, like holy scriptures from India. So, it's a holistic science. It like encompasses all the aspects of life. So, you, if you see an Ayurvedic doctor or practitioner, they are not just going to like give you like a quick fix or something like that. They're going to consider you as a whole being. It's a little bit also like Chinese medicine, for example, like in comparison with our Western uh, medicines that you know, when you go to a Western doctor, you have a problem, they fix it. It's, it's this kind of like mentali- mentality and approach. And in traditional medicine, like uh, Ayurveda or Chinese medicine, it's more seeing the individual as a whole. So your body, your spirit, like your environment, the season you're at, uh, everything that, that makes you you uh, in your way. So it's really interesting. And if you, so usually you're not going to get just like, you know, like a a medicine to fix your thing, to fix what's wrong, let's say, but you're going to get a whole array of, of practices. So it includes, uh, massage. It includes yoga asanas. So like the postures, it includes pranayama, which is the breathing exercises, bandhas. It includes also obviously the food there's a big branch of Ayurveda which is based on food because they consider that like food is like the base of your medicine actually the base of uh, your health and also they have like a like a big aspect of like herbs also like herbs medicinal herbs and they also used to have I don't know if it's still going but they also used to have surgery there's like entire books of Ayurvedic surgery, which are really advanced and also were foundations for like some of modern Western surgeries. So it was completely relevant. They they also have acupuncture, which is not as developed anymore as in Chinese medicine. Uh, they call it marma, marma therapy and Marma with like energy points, um, but it's way more developed now uh, in Chinese medicine, but it, it used to also exist in Ayurveda. So yeah. So Ayurveda is more into making small, consistent changes and decisions every day of your life. Um, than changing everything or like, you know, waiting for you to be sick so that you can fix it. It's more a science of life, so science of maintaining a good health every day of your life through small decisions that uh support your natural intelligence it's sometimes it's a little bit tricky, Ayurveda for some people when I talk about it, when they start digging into it because they're like, Ah, oh, it's so restrictive, I cannot do this, I cannot eat that, I cannot do that but it's like because it's not the same mindset it's what is your natural bodily intelligence telling you like when you eat this how does it make you feel when you mix this and that how is the effect on your gut for example um so it's for me it makes every time i learn something new about ayurveda i'm like oh this makes so much (laughs) of course (laughs) i love that yeah it's very yeah it's very funny but it's it's like a slow what I like about it it's like it's such a vast topic like you said when I approached it for the first time in my life I was like okay I'm not gonna try to learn everything about it in two months (laughs) because this is sometimes the tendency that I have that a lot of people have is like we get full-on into one topic and then we get bored and we drop it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's a, I need to know everything now. I'm going to die if I don't know everything
1: now.
0: <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs>
1: and then you get so frustrated because like, you cannot learn all yeah. of it. It's so, it's so dense. <clears throat> so that's really funny, actually. But then when I approached it, I was like, for the first time, hey, you know what? This is a science that can support me for my entire life. Like up until the day I die, it's like when I go to my uh, yoga school and I learn yoga, like yoga asana, all the practices, the lifestyle. This is things that support you through your entire existence. And when you like open the scope of it, you just have time to learn about all these things. So I'm like slowly learning. Like I've been into this for three or four years now something like that and next year I'm planning to also when i'm I'm going to my yoga school I'm gonna get trying to get certified uh also but it's 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 so interesting you know like it's a lot about observing yourself mm-hmm. like what is working for me what is not so yeah this is something I really like about about this science like it can really be adapted to each person
0: yeah and it's amazing and I feel like what you said of that it's more making small, consistent changes. For me, of what I teach, like, in regards of the nervous systems, like, we want results and change yesterday. But we forget that for the nervous system, like, all changes are out of the comfort zone and are scary and are, like, seen as a potential danger. And, like, going at it from a point of, okay, what can I implement easily on a day-to-day basis before I go to the next step makes so much sense and I think like being okay with okay I'm not going to see results yesterday maybe not even tomorrow maybe not even in a week but knowing that if I stick to those small changes those small new habits that eventually you will see huge results, and I would even believe, like, bigger results or more important results than if, you know, try to have results now and do, you know, like, things that maybe are not in alignment with what your body Mm needs. And also, like you said, it's a practice for, like, all your life. It's not just about fixing something, which um, traditional medicine is – what are you hear and believe? Like quite strong of like we fix something and then we go back to normal. <laughs> but saying that we change things for the long term and things that you'll be living with for the rest of your life, and even maybe have better health than when you're I don't know eighty, ninety, hundred years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Like it's also this, you know, it promotes longevity. Mm-hmm. Like everything that you're doing for yourself to it's like to maintain your optimal health and of course you you can fall sick you know like i've been on this ayurvedic journey for three years and like now i've been for three weeks carrying a flu (laughs) so (laughs) i mean we're not superheroes (laughs) we wish we would be (laughs) (laughs) but it's also exactly like you said it's like you know it's like this build up This slow gentle build up of like implementing one thing and then okay this is working and then a few months later implementing another thing and then you know every day of your life that you're making decisions for is your life this is your life every day (laughs) every small decision you're doing will sum up the experience of your entire life at some points so it's really nice you know like maybe you will live an extremely long and healthy life because you decided to implement those changes like slowly, slowly at an early point, you know, or a late point. I mean, it's never too (laughs) (laughs) late.
0: Really. Yeah,
1: I agree. Like I can see my mom. My mom just started, I saw her last month and my mom has a lot of um, digestion issues, like a lot of heartburns and stuff like this, which is very difficult. And when I come, I cook Ayurvedic food, which is like, as she's the same constitution as I am. So for her, it was like, Oh my God, I didn't get heartburn for three weeks. This is amazing. <laughs> so, so now she's into her fifties and then now she's starting to implement some of the stuff. And she's like, Hey, it's so good. I feel so great. So it's never, it's never too late to implement good changes for yourself.
0: Yeah, I agree. I love that. I'd also like to talk a little bit about body image and Ayurveda. I yep. know that Ayurveda principles have had a huge impact on your um, body and also your body image. Would you tell us a little bit about how you felt in your body before, what the struggles were and how the principles of Ayurveda and I believe also um, yoga have helped you to feel better in your own skin, to have a more holistic or loving relationship with your own body.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so when I was a teenager and all the way through my early 20s, I I suffered from a lot of food disorders. Uh, I had body dysmorphia um, and I had like phases of anorexia and bulimia for many years and like the height of it was when I was in cooking school actually Um, and yeah and it was really difficult being surrounded all the time with food and then just having this terrible body image like hating myself and I was constantly going through those you know trendy diets that now I'm seeing that now I'm like retrospectively you know thinking about that and I'm just like wow like this this diet culture is so toxic yeah. it's so toxic Absolutely. oh my goodness like and you know from like fasting but in terrible ways like that would disrupt my body hormonal system and everything or depriving myself from certain foods and then just like binge eating horrible junk food afterwards um, not taking care of myself and then at some point, I would go to the gym for two hours every single day, like on top of like cooking in restaurants and schoolwork. I was exhausted. I was completely depleting my body of any nourishment. Um, I didn't sleep well. It was like really, really bad, like at the time that I think about it. And I see pictures of myself when I was in my early 20s. I was so thin. I was... You know, like I looked amazing, but I see on my face, I was so miserable. This was like the height of like misery, like the epitome of horrible mental health. And I was cultivating a lot of like masculine energy and masculine qualities, like competition and, you know, trying to strive. And, you know, it was like very brutal in a sense, because I was adapting to kitchen environment, which was, which was male dominated also. So after the burnout and starting to travel and like, I think it chilled down a little bit because when you're around travelers and then people and other cultures also because i was living in paris at this time and then this like yeah paris is a lot about the looks mm-hmm. you know this is a reality of of how you live especially as a woman this like pr- this pretending this image thing and everybody's just like staring at each other <laughs> scrutinizing each other yeah. like how did you wear this <laughs> like <laughs> and then and then yeah being in other cultures especially in Latin America where there's like much more body positivity around you know like curves and ample ample body like you know large large butt large thighs large breasts and it's celebrated so I was like a a Maybe there's something else, you know, and, and then Ayurveda came into my life and then it, w- it brought just a lot of balance because it's, it's all about that Ayurveda. Like it, it's really finding this state of balance for yourself and not applying this. Formula that like trendy diet have that like one size is fitting all. Like Ayurveda is not like this. It's like every individual is different. So like going to my yoga school and, and supporting myself with Ayurvedic diets, it really helped me like reconnect with, with my body and reconnect with food, like my relationship with food, not as a punishment. Uh, but as a nourishment on the contrary. And, and honestly, since I've been eating following Ayurvedic principles, my weight has been constantly the same. Like I used to have a lot of yo-yo phases, even when I was traveling, because, you know, sometimes you're in places you don't eat that much. It's very hot or like, you don't really find like proper food. So, And then you live in a place where the food is very rich or you gain a lot of weight. So it was like very up and down. But since I've been following more Ayurvedic principles, like my weight is exactly the same all the time. And and it just feels good. Like it feels, yeah, the, the stability of it is very comforting. Like the looking at myself and being like, oh, this is me. You know and then when experiencing myself when I do yoga asana, also like feeling myself from the inside and then just being very in tune with, in tune with actually what my body needs, so not like, okay, today I'm going to do this diet where I'm only gonna eat like protein or surimi for like <laughs> for like two months <laughs> and then, then you' just like. Ah no! <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> it's like okay, like y- you develop healthy cravings when when you start listening to your body and what it needs. So like okay, today I'm craving this. Uh, let's say I'm craving, I don't know, like beans or dal or something like that. It, it has, it comes from a place where your body is like sending you the signal: this is what you need to be nourished. And you stop craving as much junk food. Like, your gut bacterias are changing and sending a different signal to what you need to your brain. Um, so, yeah, it like, for me, Ayurveda really helped me stabilize and balance and, and listen to myself, yeah.
0: I love that. And I feel through the diet cultures and all these diets, like, me included um when on we lose that ability to listen to what the body actually needs so we end yeah. up craving i don't know chocolate or any kind of of junk food but if we actually went back to the original original needs like you said with the back um the gut bacteria that changes we're then able to listen to what it actually needs what it's serving the body and mm-hmm. i think that's very interesting and for me also like freeing to hear as in a sense that it's we're not meant or like lost to be living like this for the rest of of your life with um you know constantly craving chips or whatever but there is another way that you can get back in touch with your raw and authentic body um, through maybe a practice like Ayurveda and coming to the next question if like me and listeners included wanted to you know start learning more and maybe applying different principles of Ayurveda like what would you recommend someone would you tell them to to go see an Ayurvedic doctor or is there any kind of Um, learning that you could recommend people could do at home? And is there any kind of tangible tips or tools? Because you said, like, it's a very individual-based practice. So I love the fact that it's not all-size-fits-all fits all all, because I don't think that's something that works um, at all because we're so different. Uh, But are there, like, a few things that, you know, apply to to most or maybe even almost all people
1: yeah so yeah like you said my first tip will go if you're really interested to maybe go see an ayurvedic practitioner or doctor so you have this concept in ayurveda which are called the doshas which i will not get (laughs) very much into because it's a very complex um, uh, topic but basically to put it extremely simplified it's like how people can like your constitution. So it comes from like the five elements. So Ayurveda is really linked also to the five elements. So each dosha, their name, Vata, Pitta and Kapha, they're all three of them constituted of two elements. So for example, Kapha is going to be more earth and water. Pitta is going to be water and fire, like liquid fire. And Vata is going to be air and ether. So like space. So, this concept of the five elements and the doshas is in us. We usually have one dominant dosha and like a, a less dominant one or two equal ones. Sometimes people can be what we call three doshic, which is like you equally have all three dosha in balance in your body. So knowing your dosha can help you know what you have a little bit more often to your body. So for example, me, I'm... Vata pita, which means I have vata higher, which is a tendency to have like more air, more space in the body, and pita, which is a tendency to have more fire. So this concept applies to your body in itself, but also to your mind, to your personality. Um, so for example, my body it reacts more in a vata way, so more like airy. And my temperament, my character is a bit more pita. Uh, but I also have Pita in the body, Vata in the mind. And I also have Kapha. You have everything. Like, you're a sum of everything because you're part of nature. You can find tests online for those dosha, although they're not always super accurate. So if you're really interested, my, my best advice would be to go see a practitioner. And then once you know that, I think the easiest thing would be maybe just to start... Following the seasons, also, this is very important because, like, for example, right now, this uh, this is autumn. And autumn is, like, a more vata season. So you have elements of, like, air, wind, dryness that are coming. But also, depending on where you live, you can have some kapha, which is, like, more moisture, earthy, like, rains, this kind of stuff. Um, so the change of season can be very difficult this is why I got sick because I didn't take care of myself because I got myself carried away with work (laughs) (laughs) and didn't and didn't balance what was going on in the outside world and now and now I'm sick so it's it's important to just start being aware of of your place in nature like your place with your environment in your place with the seasons and then adjust, you know, like, and some stuff are very simple. For example, when it gets cold, do you want to eat salads? Do you want to eat cold, raw food? You know, it's like, if you really follow your, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you follow your natural body intelligence, does your body says, Oh, I'm really cra- craving from like a, like a green salad with raw tomatoes right now where tomatoes are getting out of seasons it's cold outside so n- no like your natural tendency for this kind of season will be to like implement more like warm moist cooked food with good fats uh things that will nourish you so like one of the fundamental principles of ayurvedic food for example um to put it extremely simple is fresh food so freshly cooked um usually in ayurveda we don't eat leftovers. So leftover is considered after four hours. So you cook your food, four hours later is considered as a leftover because it's losing life force. It's losing prana. So what you eat will be less full of prana and less full of life force. And on the long run, if you eat all the time leftovers, it can have a tendency to create toxins into your body. So I know that in our... This is like very ancient tradition that, you know, they didn't have fridges 3,000 years ago. (laughs) So so obviously now the shelf life of food is also longer. Like, you know, me, if I did something, I don't like food waste. So if I did something very big for lunch and then I didn't finish it, yes, I will have a tendency to also eat it for dinner, but I will usually never eat something the day after. And this is... Trying to cook more food freshly every day, it's something that can benefit really everyone. I know that it's difficult, but if you have a tendency to like every day eat, you know, take out leftovers, just trying to implement very slowly, you know, cooking one more time a week fresh food. You know, if you only cook two or three times a week, just just try one more time. It will not be lost at all. So fresh food, seasonal, so, you know, don't eat strawberries in December because there's no strawberries in December. <laughs> they're usually not that even good. Though, <laughs> exactly. And even though your supermarket is telling you, you have strawberries in December, big promotion. No, <laughs> they're coming from very far away and from conditions that are not, not part of where you are right now. Trying to eat local and seasonal is, is important. Trying to eat organic, even though like, I don't eat 100% organic because it's very expensive, unfortunately. But, you know, if you have a garden, try to make it organic. If you have, like, farmer's markets, try to go see them and because they will have what is growing right now. And cook with love. Oh, I love that. Cook with... Yeah, this is very important. You know, I've been... Like, my new... Passion is about Japanese temple food. So I'm going to receive some books today. So I'm like super <laughs> excited. And this is also one of the principle of like Buddhist Buddhist temple food. It's like the state where you are when you're cooking is very important. If you're cooking and you hate it and you feel that it's like so tedious, the energy is going into your food. So maybe try to cook simpler food. Make yourself a list of like, very simple recipes that that you enjoy, and and just repeat that, and then you know once in a while add one new recipe, and you just be like, oh, this, or get a cookbook of like something that's really inspiring you, and just try one recipe in the week or one recipe every two weeks, and then see if you like it, and then you can put it in your database of your recipes if you like it. But really, Ayurveda is a lot about simple food. Like the the basis of Ayurveda is. Um, gut health so the basis of your health is your digestion like we talk a lot about digestion
0: <laughs> <And food. laughs> but it is fascinating I uh, got is. myself down that rabbit hole a few months back um, and it's super interesting like how it links to everything. Like it's... It does. It, it's like your, pr- your first brain,
1: yeah. your gut is your first intelligent. It's like so interesting. And you know, now it's very trendy to have like all those fermented probiotic food, blah, blah, blah. Like for some people who have bad digestion, like adding more probiotic, more bacterias in your gut is not going to help you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's like, and sometimes it's difficult with Ayurveda because they... They do not, let's say, agree, quote unquote, with modern trends of even health food. So like, you know, drinking kombucha every day or having all those probiotic foods or having those smoothie bowls or stuff like this, which, you know, are very Instagram food that make us believe that it is healthy because it's made of fruits or whatever. But there's many things that are actually not... Like going with Ayurvedic principles. Um, but anyway, your gut health is the most important. So really check, you know, are you feeling bloated? Are you feeling you're not digesting some food? Like, do you have stinky burps at like wrong times? So like middle of the afternoon, you're like belching and it's not supposed to be there. Do you have like uh, stinky farts, stinky poop that is not normal? Check all of this for yourself, and if you have any of the symptoms, usually is there something wrong with your with your guts? Do you have constipation? do you have loose stools? this is This is really the fundamentals like the number one priority for ayurvedic health is to nurture your digestive enzymes, your digestive fire we call it acne. So I think this is the number one most important thing for, for Ayurveda, like really nurture your gut
0: health. Oh, that's amazing. I loved what you said. Um, and I just have two thoughts or questions. Um, the first one, you said like eat more seasonal foods. I'm wondering, would, would you say that nature provides what we actually need? And if we stayed in tune with nature... Um, that we'd automatically get more of what we need according to to our constitution um, in the season or do you think there's no link there
1: yeah for sure you know we're part of nature like right now pumpkins are growing pumpkins are good for the season you know like ayurveda brings us as our Place within the whole cosmos, also like like yoga does. Like when you have like a spiritual practice, it it also brings you into your place with the universe and the season that we're in right now. You know, like and also locally. So us right now, what do we have around us? Like like right now, I live in Switzerland. What is growing right now that is going to be full of life force, full of prana, and you just pick it up. And then you eat it and then, you know, it doesn't need any process and it will be very nourishing for you because like stuff that comes from very far away will not usually be matured to the full extent. And they will be put in like big fridges before they reach full maturity. So they'd be able to be shipped in containers or whatever in here. So the life force is not the same. So that's also why, Following seasonality is is really important to balance yourself with your outside environment.
0: I like that. That's such a huge and amazing reminder to actually, yeah, because the supermarkets do you know sell anything and everything, and strawberries in the middle of winter for us. Um, but to remind ourselves to go back to to what in season as much as it is for the environment. And I think that message is is coming out more and more, but also for our own bodies and, and health. Um, and the second yeah. thing I wanted to touch up on is that you said cook with love. And I always say to my clients, like, what is worse about like a certain Type of food you eat is how you then afterwards feel about it. So if they eat something they didn't want to eat and then they feel guilty and shame and frustrated, that it for me, I believe it has an even worse effect totally. on your body. And like the idea of cooking with love and maybe changing your state before you go in the kitchen, say, wait a minute, like I know maybe cooking is not my favorite thing to do in the world, but I'm giving myself proper food. I'm doing something loving for my body. Um, you know, if you need to have a dance party before you start cooking or whatever you can do to to be in a better mood and saying, hey, this is something I'm doing for me. This is my self-care. Um, and And like you said, like finding recipes, easy recipes like good food doesn't Mm -hmm. mean complicated and I think that's a good reminder because we have and me included like oh it takes so long to cook fresh veggies when in 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 real life it yes it's longer than opening a pack and putting it in the in the microwave but it might take me I don't know 15-20 minutes which is in a day not that much time but the results you might get from it not only on a physical level, but also I feel like on a mental and an emotional level is going to have such a huge impact. So i really... It's so true. I love it's that. It's so
1: true. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And also like to continue on this thought is like, how you eat the food after is equally important. Like this is something I've been really noticing for myself this year especially when I cook for retreats because I'm like very in this like um, um, state of action when I'm cooking and then I'm not necessarily hungry when I sit down to eat with people and it's noisy and then where everyone is talking so that is contrasting with how I eat at home at home it's quiet we usually have conversations like before eating or after eating but like the eating part is actually quite silent like we're We're with the food. And yeah, for me, this is equally important because like you can eat something, you know, this guilt part that you're talking about is super important. And like, for me, I know it because it was like the foundation of all food disorders also. It's like the guilt tripping. And then, you know, I can go to someone's place and they made something that I never eat usually, like, you know, lots of cheese or meat or stuff like this. But they made it to, because it's nice, because they want to make something nice for the other. So th- it, there's already the love inside. And, and I'm going to eat it with pleasure because, because this person is doing something nice for me and I'm enjoying the company. And, you know, I'm not going to guilt trip myself because, you know, I ate this massive piece of cake at the end that they made that is absolutely not vegan um that has tons of butter in it (laughs) and and it's so good (laughs) and so good and it was made with love Mm -hmm. and then and no I'm not gonna feel guilty about it because like if I start feeling guilty then if your mind is upset your gut will be upset so it's it's easier to just like you know it's okay it's okay to just like eat the cake, mm-hmm. eat the cake. Like it is fine. Like even me, I don't eat Ayurvedic 100% of the time, you know, like you have to adapt also to what is around. Um, so how you eat is equally important. Like if you have time at home every day, you know, or, you know, if you're at the office trying to get a time where actually it's quiet, you can eat in peace, and really having a restful moment where you're connecting with the food and chew well. This is my mission for this year, <laughs> chewing well my food <laughs> because I've been conditioned to eat so fast yeah. that I don't chew well. But chewing well your food will highly help your, your digestion,
0: honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. And I think that's one of a huge takeaway for, for our listeners to Really pay attention to how you feel when you cook, pay attention to how you feel when you eat and pay attention to how you feel afterwards without having to change anything in your diet yet. But to start there and and view food as a spiritual practice, maybe, or a form of self-care is a good reminder for me too, but can be a really nice reminder for, for the listeners as well. Um, Before we end this podcast, I'd like to ask you if anyone wants to get in touch with you, if they want to know more about you, how can they find you, Instagram, your website, whatever you'd like to share with people. Um,
1: Yeah, so I have a website called melaniels.com. So here you can find all the information about uh, yoga, but also the kind of food I cook for retreats. Um, and then otherwise on my Instagram, Melanie underscore (laughs) LSLN. Yes.
0: Well, that's amazing. It was so lovely to catch up. It was such a lovely chat. Thank you. Even for me, I feel like these podcasts, I do it for the listeners, but I do it as much for me because we (laughs) always learn and it's always such a good reminder. And on top, like, I enjoy spending time with you. So it was a win-win-win. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, um, thank you so much. And um, i you to Dominique. You
1: yes, very soon.
0: <laughs> thank you, beautiful soul, for being here with me this week. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and to follow me on Instagram at uniquely.niki. See you next time.